then. Just start talking, Andrew. I'm just going to ramble. All right, we'll go mic check. One, mic two, check. one, two. Spin that shit. You're listening to the Double A Balls Podcast with your hosts, Andrew Romanella. It is absolutely popping off. Do you know what we call that sometimes? Dick High Fun Balls. And Anthony Rinaldi. I'm going to say something crazy. How about being like a dog? Oh, at the buzzer. Oh, he missed it. Oh, OT. The show starts now. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. This is the Double A Balls Podcast. I am your host, Andrew Romanella, and alongside me, my partner, Anthony Rinaldi. No, 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 no! Andrew! World Cup! Holler at your boy! A little soccer fever, I can see, Anthony Rinaldi. Where the hell's the USA? God damn it. They're not in it, but it's still a good tournament nonetheless. Before we dive into it, though, Anthony, remind the people, Double A Balls, Instagram and Twitter. Social media blitz. DAABpodcast.com. Everything you need. Listen, subscribe, and find your gear thanks to PowerArmPerformance.com. The World Cup is popping off. Lionel Messi... Scores a goal, so Argentina's popping off. They advance into the round of 16. And the World Cup, minus the USA being in, has given us everything we wanted in 2018. Andrew, soccer. Who thought we'd lead off a podcast with football? What everybody else in the nation calls that great game on the pitch. It's pretty wild, Andrew. Some powerhouses. Some great matchups coming up over the weekend. Some group play left this week. Listen, I get no work done during the work schedule because uh, I'm clearly engaged thoroughly in ESPN, watching all the coverage I can get. Andrew, Lionel Messi, Ronaldo, who you got? Ronaldo. Right now in this tournament, Ronaldo. Four goals. He's leading Portugal. I mean, playing so well. I take Ronaldo. But what Messi and Argentina did today, you were right. They did squeak by Nigeria. And that was a win they needed. And they needed a little bit of help from the game in Croatia and Iceland, and they got that. So that was huge. But the arguably best player in the world, Lionel Messi, he came through when his team needed him to come through. And at a time in his career when he needed to score today, Anthony, if Argentina doesn't win today, and Argentina doesn't move on to the round of 16, I think there is a significant stamp on the legacy of Messi moving forward because there will always be the, yeah, he was great, but, and insert no World Cup victory here. I don't know what I'm more concerned about. All this replay, Andrew, did you see some of this Nonsense. It's interesting. But I heard a great quote this morning while I was driving to work about, I think he was a goalie back in 2002 for the Trinidad and Tobago. He works for ESPN now. He said, I'd rather... Talking to Wingo and goalie? Yeah. I'd rather have him take two minutes, get the call right, than two seconds and get it wrong. And you saw how important that, gave, that, that was for the Spaniards yesterday with that late goal they gave him to kind of help them go on to the next round and actually... Are, I think the World Cup favorites now. But listen, you know, Germany knocking on the door. They survived the, the 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 group stage. You got Portugal, France, Denmark, all these squads rolling through, Andrew. England, how can we forget about the other guys across the pond there? They're well, playing well. Tomorrow you you get group E and group F to finish. And you mentioned Spain possibly being a favorite, you know. A lot of people are looking at it from the standpoint that Russia has a tough draw in the round of 16 here, that they draw Spain. But I think that is a tough situation. No matter how good you are as a, as a sports team, to, to be in somebody's country when they're hosting one of the biggest world events and it only happens every four years and the chance for it to be in your country only happens every how many years and... For Spain being a favorite in this tournament, that is going to be tough 
because, I mean, think about the crowd, Anthony, in that game. I mean, it's Russia's home soil. Lots of vodka going to be drinking in that <laughs> stadium, boy. And think about it. Russia wasn't even thought about as a team in this tournament. Now, they're still not thought about as a team in this tournament. If by any miracle they beat Spain, I really don't think it's they, they're even going to. I don't even think it's really a chance. But my point being, they weren't even thought about. They go out and score five goals on opening night. You know, the emotions, the excitement of playing in front of your home country. And now all of a sudden, yeah, they were a little humbled in their third game of group play, but it doesn't matter because they made it through to the round of 16. And I think that is enough for their showing in this home World Cup. That's always needed, Andrew. Nothing special. They're not a powerhouse when it comes to soccer. You don't think of, unless they're playing on ice skates, I don't think so. But you don't think about the Russian team as a powerhouse going up against your Brazils, your France, Spain, Portugal, Germany. But listen, they're going to be in there. They had a shot. You know, n- no more of this uh, game ending in, you know, ending in a draw. They play the full 90. If there's a tie, I believe they play. I think another 30 minutes, Andrew. Well, and then it goes to PKs. Now that you're talking about that, and you said you were listening to that interview before, did you hear that former Trinidad and Tobago goaltender? Did I say that correctly? How awesome was his voice? Trinidad and Tobago, right? Toboggan. Trinidad and Tobago. Sure. Tomato, right? tomato. Okay. Either way. Yes, his voice was great. Did you hear what he said about trying to defend a penalty kick in soccer. Dive and, and pray. Yeah. Chuck and pray. At, when, when, when he goes through all the cues and trying to try and figure out Listen, what Andrew, he's doing. I told you a long time ago, I was a former goaltender back in my day, soccer. We used to go to the penalty kicks all the time in our in our our town wide. We used to have a, a, a rec tournament, Andrew. Every year it went to a round robin style. Every year, Civic War shout out Civic Warriors. Three years in a row we won it. This kid in goal, stopping PKs left and right. What was that pressure like? I mean, as a young kid, how did you Short handle and chubby, it? man. Oh, it was fantastic. I was you, like a little fat little gnat. You had to hand, just handle that pressure, huh? I'm sure the moms and dads. Oh, man, listen. I was wild I on loved the sidelines. As a goaltender, there's no pressure. Like he said, no pressure against you. Because you know what that goal is, Andrew? You got to score that goal. But when you don't, you look at the hero. I feel like Some kids went wide. Some kids went over the bar. I blocked one or two. Our team's made it. I even get the kick because I was a nasty like that. All right, so let me ask you a question because I I never played soccer growing up. I played a year of indoor soccer, max, maybe two. But that's not real soccer, and we can all agree on that. So as a guy that never played soccer growing up, and if you go to DAABpodcast.com, you see an article written this week on football, not football, the American version, gaining a lot of traction and a poll that was done at the end of 2017 said that 7% of American kids' favorite sports is now soccer. And 9% is baseball, and the gap is closing, and soccer is becoming a major sport, and the MLS is making strides. They've just added their 25th organization in Miami FC. And the question becomes... Why has soccer always been a sport that is so predominantly enjoyed by the youth, but for some reason dies off as the youth gets older and has not been able to establish itself as a top four American sport? And when you look at it and you watch the World Cup and the national team's not in it, and you say, I'm watching Iceland play in the World Cup, and you're telling me that there aren't 25 better athletes in the United States of America, that we could feel to put on the, the, the pitch and go, go out and make the World Cup? That's the question that plagues mankind for decades, Andrew. I don't know what – it's it's a cyclical problem that we have. Our best athletes, it doesn't translate to soccer. Uh, for some reason, we, I played it my entire life growing up. I loved it. My, my parents shoved me into soccer camps growing up. But why did you stop playing it? I played all the way up to high school. I played. Uh, I was a goalie slash defender. I was not in the best shape, to tell you the truth. Uh, I played. Didn't uh, play. Like I said, I played four years varsity soccer. Uh, didn't pursue it in college. I went to Penn State. Shout out. We are Penn State. Didn't think I was good enough to play. You know, I played at in my fraternity league. You know, won us an Eric Bischoff trophy. Shout out. Oh seven. I, I think it, soccer loses its cachet after high school because. There's not, I mean, there's scholarships for it, don't get me wrong, but, you know, it, 
it doesn't have the same cachet as I'm going to play Division One football at at Notre Dame. I'm going to play Division One basketball at Duke. You know, I'm uh, you know Penn State had a great soccer program, but no one was saying, oh yeah, you know, nationally ranked number three forward in the league. You know, I'm, I'm, I got a scholarship to Penn State. You know, we'll be. It, I don't. It doesn't translate, Andrew. That's what's so confusing to me is because like, and and you can ask the question from the other side too. Like, why is baseball right now not continuing to progress at a younger age? Why are kids getting? I think I know the answer bored? to that, though, Andrew. Well, and can I answer that real quick? Go ahead. I think because it's such a everybody knows it's a long unless you're special. It's a grueling process to get to the show. It is like, and that's the hardest. True. The hardest route, by hands down, I feel. To get to the show, I absolutely and I agree and I absolutely agree with that because think about it, you could go through se- seven layers of minor league baseball and still possibly never get a chance to play major league baseball. It's just it's just a curiosity question because I was never a kid that played soccer growing up, so I always wondered, you know, from a kid that spent thirteen years of his life kicking a soccer ball and loving the sport and wanting to go to it every day and every weekend. And everyone falls off for different reasons. Playing athletics in college is not for everybody. It's actually a lower number than people probably expect. And the commitment to wanting to be great in those sports is something that a minute percentage of people, not just in America but in the world, have the want to do. I mean, LeBron James in his 15th year at 33 years old, Anthony, isn't this good because he just wakes up in the morning. You know what I'm saying? Tom Brady isn't this good because he's going out right now and eating ice cream. No, he's this good because while we're podcasting, he's probably sleeping the appropriate amount of calculated minutes that he needs to sleep before his appropriately calculated meal and workout. And you know what? That is what has made him so great so late in his career. So it's one of those things where no matter what sport you play, it's a small percentage that wants to try and move forward. But why in soccer has it just always been considered – Wow, it's the sport that is the most popularly growing sport in America, but it's never going to move past that. I can't listen again. It's, I grew up with the sport. My grandfather, kind of rest his soul, every Saturday, Sunday morning, I was over there watching soccer with him. We were watching Serie A, Channel Eleven Eighty Nine on the Cablevision box. Andrew, we had to order the Italian package, sports package, so we could watch it. His favorite Juventus. In Serie A, you know, competition, I, I always rooted against him. I rooted for Napoli just because they had a great color. They, they, had, some, they had some great guys. Cavani, he's Euro, he's on a Uruguay, the Uruguay squad, killing it right now. Paco Lavezzi was always a stud on the Napoli squad. Listen, Andrew, I, again, I grew up with it. I loved it. I played it all four years of high school, varsity. I, I had my varsity jacket, had the soccer as captain, you know, did all that fun stuff. But never did I think I'd take it anywhere, you know, to the next level, and there, what's the next level? MLS here in America, like we don't. Our one, our, our best player plays in the Bundesliga, Germany league. Our best players are playing overseas because that's where the competition is. That's where the money is. There's no money in Miami FC, Andrew. There's no money in New York FC, even though I think they were bought out by the Yankees, and they could be basically, you know, they could buy any player they want. And they see they brought over the Frenchman. Well, and if you read the article right on DadPodcast.com. There's a quote in there from David Beckham, and his point is, to your point, Anthony, we need more homegrown talent. We don't need the best players, the best athletes in this country leaving and going to play in leagues in Europe. Yeah, it's great to get great athletes from Europe to come back over here, and David Beckham himself did that. But he said this at his press conference for, he is now the owner for the Miami team in the MLS. Yes, We want to build a team and bring in top players from Europe. But the thing we are most interested in is the homegrown talent. We will bring a state-of-the-art academy. I've seen that when you bring homegrown kids into a team like this. This is when a community is built and you are proud of a team. That right there gives me the idea. Miami FC is now the 25th franchise in the MLS. You look at teams in Seattle. We've talked about it before where it's just a, a phenomenal fan base, a phenomenal experience. So it is something moving forward. And things like that, like what David Beckham and Miami are trying to do, establish a foot in the community, I think that's a huge factor. I mean, I take a lot of pride in 
in the fact that, and, and it's probably because the movies are made, shout out Mount Rushmore, Double A Balls, Friday Dab, but I play for the Anaheim Junior Ducks. You know, that's pretty cool. Like, the movie Mighty Ducks was made, and I got to play for the, now, was it the exact same uniform? No. But I played for the Junior Ducks. And that's pretty cool. Quack. 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 Right. So it's, back, it, Mount Rushmore. it's stuff like that. that we played against the, the, the Junior Sharks. We played against the Junior Kings. My brother played for the Junior Coyotes. The point is, establishing the foot in the community is important. Now, baseball, the sport that soccer is catching up to, is losing a lot of popularity because the strikeouts and the home runs. However, your team, the New York Yankees, and I don't really care about the three-game skid to the Rays. That's just whatever. That's June baseball. That's going to happen. But they've made a living off of this new style of baseball being successful for them. I was driving into your lovely abode here, Andrew, and my man John Sterling was talking about the three, the, the three and four hitter, or maybe the four and five hitter, either way, for the Phillies tonight against the Yanks, batted, two, batted 224 and 234 respectively. But they got mad home runs and mad RBIs. And that's just the way baseball's going. Either you hit the long ball or you're striking out. Chicks dig the long ball, Andrew, and the Yankees are hitting a ton of them. But is that a good thing, Andrew? Is well, that a good thing? Can that's what I was offense, about to ask you. Can our offense, which clearly tonight you see, we're smacking around Arietta in that band box. Yeah. That was what I was about to ask you. I don't like it. And that could be the baseball coach in me. And the way I like to see my guys play the game. I mean, yeah, I love the home run too. But I don't think it's as much the home runs. It's the strikeouts. That's what bothers me. What bothers me is the fact that why have we lost sight on the fact that striking out is not a good thing. Not putting the ball in play isn't a good thing. And that's what kind of disappoints me a little bit. I'll take the home runs. Yes, you want to swing for the fences. Sure, with two strikes... Are some computers telling us that maybe trying to take a violent swing and hit a ball at 110 exit velo gives us a better chance of something successful happening as opposed to choking up and taking a short swing and trying to make contact on the baseball? Sure. Maybe that range true. But all I know is when a guy chokes up on the bat and it's a hard one hopper at the third baseman who's standing 90 feet away as opposed to swings and misses, I'll take that 10 out of 10 times and force every single day them to make 27 outs and not me give up 27. They want to see the long ball, Andrew. Look at your boy Bryce Harper. What's he batting right now? 213 under the Mendoza line, maybe? It's brutal. He's banging home runs and hitting RBIs. And he's about to, and he's going to demand a $400 million contract. You think anybody cares about batting 300 anymore, Andrew? That's a number. If you bat 260, give a team 30, 30 plus homers, 100 plus RBIs, you are golden, Andrew. You don't need to worry about having a high, you know, a 330 uh, 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 batting average, a Jose, a, Ho, a Jose Altuve batting line. You know what's a big, though? On base percentage. That is the stat, Andrew, that rings true to this day. If you're a good ball player, your OBP should be through the roof. All right, so let me ask you a question. You tell me that on base percentage matters, and I agree on base percentage absolutely matters. But then how can you tell me? And I and I understand it. I understand where people are coming from with 30 and, and 100. I've been in a professional clubhouse where the managers looked at me and said, that, are, that batting average number doesn't matter. But what does matter is you getting on base correct. And last time I checked, if my batting average is 280, I have a lot more opportunities of getting on base than I do if my batting average is 230. And if I'm a power hitter, if I can hit 30 and 100, why can't I be a good enough hitter to hit 30 and 100 and at least getting myself on base more by actually putting more balls in play? What, what's wrong with that? Sometimes a shift comes into play. And I understand if that. So if, why you're, if you're like Greg Bird or even the old, like, like, like here, Mark Teixeira will always say, he, he didn't care about the shift. He wasn't just going to poke the ball into the third baseline, even though he's probably guaranteed to hit every time. He was getting paid to hit the ball over the fence. And he was, he was swinging that way. And you see that a lot, these guys who hit home runs, especially in these small ballparks. And you go up and down the East Coast, the AL East, Andrew, Boston, Yankees, Baltimore. 
in the NL, the Phillies. I don't know how big the Brave Stadium is, but I don't know. The Mets is a freaking canyon because nobody hits home runs over there, including your miserable Mets. The only team that actually, truly goes against the principle that you need to have really good batters is the New York Yankees because they actually have seven guys in their lineup that can hit home runs every single day. See, if you only have three, you can win a lot of regular season baseball games with those guys. But when push comes to shove, you need to play real baseball in the playoffs. When those teams get into the playoffs, they scare me. The Yankees are the outlier. That's how good they freaking are. They're literally the outlier. They could home run their way through the worst baseball you've ever seen in your entire life and still win a ball game 15 to 9. That's right. But that's my point, though. Hit you do high, need. Hit them high, hit them high, hit them high. You need guys in your lineup that hit for average. You need them in your lineup. Yeah, we got them. Miguel Andujar, the extra base hitting machine. Gliber Torres, crushing the ball. Not a home run hitter. Even even Andujar has like eight. That's what I'm saying. And you see, I mean, Brett Gardner, he's not healthy right now. He's not hitting a lot for pop. His batting average is rising. But you're right, Andrew. I mean, Gary Sanchez hit under the Mendoza line. Greg Bird hit under 200. Stanton, five. Stanton is, I think, on an eight for nine tear these past few games. Brought his average up about, I think, 270. The strikeouts and judges, don't judges, you? judges, judge. Didi's coming up. No, strikeouts don't bother me, Andrew. Come on, they're gonna. It's like the law. It's like it's like watching a quarterback throw that seventy-yard bomb. You know, it's great. Or throwing a little screen pass and the, and the, the running back runs for fifty-eight yards and scores. I mean, listen, I want to see. It's not the I, same thing. I want to see it, Andrew. I, I just want to see it. But it's not the same thing. Just think about it. The home run pass from the quarterback is one of probably thirty to forty attempts he's going to take that game. The at-bat that you, one of the three to four to maybe five that you paid to come and watch today, and you watch guys strike out three times, and let's say that day they didn't put a ball in the seats. Really, great, awesome. I'd much rather watch that same dude. Watch why I would love to watch Anthony Rizzo or Joey Votto or Mike Trout, a guy with a two-strike approach. That hasn't affected their power, hasn't affected their game. Those guys play Jose Altuve. I love seeing a guy chop a ball with two strikes over the first baseman's head. It rolls down the line. We're hustling for two. That shit fires me up. That gets me excited. Fires you up. And Give that, me it all, Andrew. I want to see. I want to see my three, I want to see my thirty-two million dollar Giancarlo Stanton get up four times, five times, and strike out all five times. Swinging at flies. Pedro Serrano hit ball deep, Andrew. So, the Mets have had an interesting month. Mm, Tough one, Andrew. Tough one. In June, and it's been hard for me. In June, but they've had two separate seven-game losing streaks. And found out on Tuesday that Sandy Alderson would have to step away from his role as the general manager right now due to complications from cancer that he has previously had. He's going to go through some treatment and some surgery and obviously well wishes to him and his family and obviously the most important thing for Sandy Alderson is his health. But the way the world works, and, and that's the truth of the matter, is what that does is it raises questions as to whether or not Sandy Alderson will be back as the general manager of the New York Mets. As of right now, John Rico, J.P. Riccardi, and Omar Minaya are the three-headed monster at GM. How that's going to work, we don't really know. Is there a one appoint man who's going to handle all the phone calls for trades? Is it going to be uh, a, a, a vote, you know, two out of three for each decision that's made? Hopefully we'll know those details. But at the end of the day, the biggest question that is raised through all of this is... Sandy Alderson no longer the GM for the New York Mets because obviously the Mets are going to do the right thing and finish this year out, help hopefully get Sandy in the right state of mind, help him fight through this. Um, He does believe he's going to be okay, but obviously help him fight through this. And then at the end of the year, deal with this. But it it just seems to be, Anthony, that around a lot of 
MLB circles and New York media circles and conversation on the radio is that it, it does feel like it's the beginning of the end of the Sandy Alderson era. Sandy Alderson, first and foremost, just you know, obviously get better. Got some prayers out to the Alderson family. Uh, now, down to business, Andrew, because I'm not gonna sugarcoat. Out. I don't want to be, you know, tell you it's gonna be all nice and nice. But no, I mean, listen, it's time to go. You know, he had it. You're dealing with tight purse strings with the with the will puns, but you gotta cut ties with everybody. I didn't even cut ties with Mickey Calloway. I know you just hired him. He's supposedly a good man. You know, Tito. Backed him up so he knows what he's talking about. But if you bring in a new GM, you're going to want to bring in a new coach. I mean, his coach. You don't want to bring in somebody who's a lame duck. It never works out. If you're going to rebuild, if you're going to try to blow it up, I think you need to blow it up full-heartedly, Andrew. And you can't have, like you said, three guys discussing what to do with the future because three guys aren't going to be pulling in the same direction regardless of how long they've been working together, what their thoughts of are the Mets organization. They're going to think different things. They're going to have, they're going to want better their their opportunities, and it's just not going to work, Andrew. They, they need to hire somebody. They had a clean house. Let Sandy move on. He did yeoman's work with this after that 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 nut job was in there. Bernie Madoff took all your money. Sandy really had nothing. He was working with sand, and he just he turned it into a little bit of gold. You had that run in 2015. You take that. Him and Terry stepped into it. We got lucky. Cespedes hitting home runs. Your boy Daniel Murphy in the playoffs carried you. Harvey was Harvey. DeGrom was the Grominating. Syndergaard was throwing heat. And you had a run, but that was it. And now it's time to rebuild, Andrew. The window closed. Close it, Andrew. Close the pain. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it is. You appreciate everything that he did. Um, and I, I do agree. That is probably the end of the error. What I don't agree with is probably the firing of Mickey Calloway. I understand where you're coming from with that. But at the end of the day, that he can't be the casualty of a failure in ownership. And I think what you do is you do get a new general manager and you, you give Mickey Calloway probably another year. You have to give him the opportunity to manage a team that actually has talent on it. What he was given this year and the situation probably does not... Now, as some of the things he said hurt himself, sure. Don't come out and say that you hope uh, a big loss doesn't send you in a tailspin. Some rookie manager mistakes. But at the end of the day, Sandy Alderson and, and the staff of the, the front office for the New York Mets did not give Mickey Calloway the appropriate talent and the appropriate team to really truly be successful, plus the injuries... I do think that what's going to happen is they'll get a new GM. I don't think they're going to fire Mickey Calloway. I think Jeff Wilpon likes him. Um, he, Jeff Wilpon did say the right things today in his press conference. Um, he was not going to answer any questions about Sandy Alderson or whether or not Sandy Alderson was going to return. His biggest thing was our most important thought process is Sandy Alderson getting healthy. But I, I just think that's what's going to happen with Mickey Calloway. What if I told you Joe Girardi was available? I would... Wants to coach the New York Knicks. I mean, I wanted him last year. I'm not going to lie to you. I really, really like Joe Girardi. Um, do I think, would it entice me? Yeah, it, it really would. Um, do I have any ridiculous ties to Mickey Calloway? No. I just, for some reason, have a feeling he's not going to be the casualty in this thing. I think because Terry Collins was the casualty last year, it's like they're picking off ducks one by one. Last year was Terry Collins from the old regime. Now it's going to be Sandy Alderson from the old regime. And and maybe that... I could be completely wrong. But that's just kind of, for me, that's the way it feels. I mean, listen, Andrew, you have no farm system. That's the problem. You have no wiggle room with your money because the Wilpons are, you know, the, the, the fifth or sixth highest or wealthiest franchise. Makes, makes the most money, but they don't spend any more than $160 million, Which obviously is a lot of money. Don't get me wrong. I don't, I'm not spending that money. I, you know, I'm not, I'm not in their wallet. God forbid. But I don't think that this is going to be an overnight fix, Andrew. you got to blow it up, start over. It's not trading DeGrom and Syndergaard because they're both young enough and you have so much. And they're controllable. Exactly. You have so much control over them that I'd keep them. Those are obviously corner cornerstones. You trade your Juries Familias, your Cabreras. Maybe you trade Frazier. You trade, you know, you, anybody not nailed down to the floor named Syndergaard and DeGrom. And I guess you just restart. Obviously, you're not going to get much for these guys. 
But you got to restart. It's a lost season. The Marlins have more wins than the Mets right now, Andrew. That's got to be a real kick to the groin. Yeah, they're, they're at the bottom of the National League in wins at 31. And in their last 30 games, they're 6-24. and 24. So, yeah. Has it been good? No. Is it disappointing? Yes. But here's my feeling on it. And then I need to learn a little bit about what Anthony knows about sports. Not a whole damn lot, that's for sure. My feeling is... The World Series in 15 was great. The run of the playoffs in 16 was nice as well. And having that feeling was great. But if what's going on right now isn't ever going to come close to getting us back there, then I'd rather sit on the fact that at least I got to enjoy that recently and now start to rebuild the farm system and start to turn this thing younger, turn the clock back, and start to turn the development back. So there is a, a serious issue with development in the minor leagues for the New York Mets. And it's something that needs, hopefully, will be addressed. And it's something that I think this is where we need to look. We need controllable, young, high-talented guys in the minor leagues that we can call homegrown guys and build them up to the major leagues, much like we've seen a lot of teams be successful at. I think we need to dab on this topic of when is it time for you to jump ship on your team. Because if you're growing up a Mets, Knicks, Jets fan right now, you got to be one miserable oh, SOB. Man. I mean, I'm a Knicks fan. That got him only one of the three, you bunch of losers. I got I mean, Jesus Christ. Hey, you're a Dolphin fan. Woo-wee. I got the Dolphins. I got OKC. Stop. I got the Mets, and I got the Devils. So the Devils have the really... The Devils have carried you through Three Stanley Cups in my life. The Devils have carried you through yeah. that. Because you weren't around for Shula. Nope. And the, and the pop champagne, undefeated seat nonsense. Absolutely not. I mean, obviously, I was around for Dan Marino. That's why I'm a Dolphins fan. So, I mean, don't get me wrong. Was that 86, success? 86, you weren't alive. No, of course right? not. But was the success, pseudo-success, I'll call it, in the mid to late 90s when I started to realize and obviously formulate thoughts as a human being kind of nice to see? Sure. But at the end of the day, I was too young to really understand it or like it. So Wait, 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 wait. Are You, you don't formalize thoughts now. So why would you do it as a kid? That's a great point. Come on, well, stop lying to the audience. At least we know that you're bringing the intellectual side of things right now. So, let's break that. On that point, we're going to get into the Frankie franchise. What does Anthony know about sports? And remember, if you need to re-love and remodel your home, we want you to call Franchise Construction at 973-789-6233. Okay. I got three, what I feel like are very good questions for you this week. Give them to me. What does Anthony know about sports? We haven't done it in a minute, so I'm excited to get back into it. So We need to get a buzzer for me, Andrew. We do. We do. We need to get a buzzer. And maybe maybe a shot clock as well. So we'll we'll look into that. If anyone anyone wants to sponsor that, you know, uh, doubleaballs at gmail.com. Anthony Rinaldi, your first question. What New Jersey Devils great was just introduced? Inducted into the 2018 Hockey Hall of Fame. Oh, come on, Andrew. I don't watch hockey updates. Scott Stevens. Ken Danica. Martin Rodor. Bing, bing, bing. Martin Rodor. That was too easy. That was not too easy because you missed it on the first two. One out of three. Meat Love told me two out of three ain't bad. One of, if not the greatest goaltenders in hockey history. If you did not know, he he won four Vesnas, Mr. Rinaldi, which is the best goaltender. He also won five Jennings trophies, which is the the number one goaltender in goals against in terms of the whole year in the league. And to keep it going, 691 wins, the most in NHL history. This man had 125 shutouts and only gave up 2.2 goals on average his entire career. Let me it, tell you, dude, dude could strike a golf ball and drink beers. I caddy for him up at North Jersey Country Club many times. Hell of a tip or two. That's fantastic. Okay, moving forward, 0 for 1. The Maurice Podoloff Trophy is given to who and in what sport? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Where do you find these? The back of a Snapple question? The Maurice Podoloff trophy. Is that for the Canadian football If you league? know this, tweet this, please, at Double A Balls. <laughs> if you it's, knew this right off the bat. Is this a Canadian Football League trophy? I mean, you're on the right track. I have no idea. 
You're not on the right track. I lied to you completely. You're a hell of a guy. It is the MVP trophy in the National Basketball Association. Really? Do you know who Maurice Podoloff is? No. Dropping knowledge on the Double A Balls podcast. Nuggets. Maurice Podoloff was the first National Basketball Association commissioner, and he held that position from 1949 to 1963, and the MVP trophy is named after him. So, not only did you get that wrong. Debatable MVP. You got to learn a little bit, and yes, James Harden is a debatable MVP. I want to get into that in a minute. Last question. What does Anthony know about sports? Told you nothing. In the sport of football, in the World Cup, what country is the only country to play in each and every World Cup? Brazil? Yeah! Oh, you got one. All right. right. One for three, Andrew. Nice. <laughs> One for three All in right. your sport. That's Hall of Fame. That's, that's Hall of Fame numbers. All right. So, well, as we continue to go on, we find out that Anthony knows nothing about sports. So we're going to keep giving him the segment so we can keep quizzing him on the topic. Listen, my man, you said it before, and I, I need your full opinion on it because because I don't know if I agree, but I kind of agree. I'm just, I'm iffy. Is James Harden the MVP of the National Basketball Association? I this these awards should be just thrown away, Andrew. I mean, who gives the awards out? Regular season ends in April. We're giving the awards out June twenty fifth. I mean, really, Andrew? That's Makes really no what sense. we're doing. But I mean, it's it was debated all day. I want we'll do a little uh, homework on the on, on the backside of this. I'm gonna have Andrew put up a side by side. I'm sure everyone's seen it of LeBron's numbers this season versus Harden's numbers. And LeBron statistically just destroyed him in every category. But then you hear like a guy that's in, that's been in LeBron's pocket his whole his whole career, Brian Windhorst, and he even said that James Harden deserved the MVP. He talked about how that James took off many games. James single handedly bitched and complained to upper management to get new players in and out of the locker room to to fit his you know his style of play to fit his liking to make it you know to get him to the championship, which. You know, you could argue it worked because, listen, they, he dragged him to a final. But then again, he got his ass beat in the final, so it doesn't really matter. And then you go, and then he's talking about how James Harden just continually just carried the best team with the best roster throughout the regular season and just put up monster numbers. I mean, and again, it's, it, I mean, LeBron deserves MVP every single year, Andrew. So he's missed it, he's missed it the last few years. So I'm not going to argue about it this year. I mean, what's, what's the big deal? Give it to the beer for the man's got a sick beer. Before I give you the numbers on James Harden and LeBron James, is that the is that the main issue though, right there? Is the main issue the fact that LeBron James is so good every single year? He is the greatest player on the globe every single year, so people just kind of discredit it every single year. Right. Great quick little side note, because we'd love to digress. They're talking about uh, I think it was uh, they're talking about Coach Lenny Wilkins. Was coaching Cleveland. Just got fired. I mean, he had great teams in Cleveland growing up in the 90s against Jordan. He just got fired. Same way like Dwayne Casey. He had great teams in Toronto, but he gets fired because he couldn't get past a single player. LeBron is that player to coach uh, the, co- the coach of the year, Andrew. Right, Dwayne Casey. Dwayne Casey gets it's this fired. This generation's Michael Jordan. Exactly. Coach Lenny Wilkins got fired in Cleveland. He had great runs, but he couldn't get past Jordan. Same thing with the great players who don't have rings Barkley, Ewings. Stockton Malones. You run into Michael Jordan, you don't get your rings. Same thing with the Mellows and the Russell Westbrooks, let's say. The Mar DeRozans. You just you happen to run into a guy named LeBron James, the best player of all time. And he single-handedly, he, like I said, he carried a bunch of scrubs all the way to the finals. Does he deserve the MVP? Probably, but you can't give it to the same guy every year because it would be boring. You can't, but this year alone, James Harden averaged 30.4 points. Per game this year. Just give me like a handful. LeBron, LeBron James averaged 27.5. In the assists category, LeBron James averaged 9.1. James Harden averaged 8.8. In the rebounding category, LeBron James 8.6. Well, no surprise there. James Harden 5.4. Do you want percentages? Three-point field goal. Field goal percentage for Harden, 
54, and for LeBron, 59, and 3.4 Harden was 37, 37 essentially if you round up there. And for LeBron James, the same thing, 37. So, I don't know, man. For me, their numbers are, are almost nearly identical. Yeah, again, you run it down the gamut. I mean, listen, you can give it to any, you can give it to him every single year. Same thing they said about Jordan when he was there. Same thing they're going to say about the next great player. KD could rattle off a few, a few in a row. I mean, it's it's a regular season award. The rookie of the year, I mean, the dude didn't even play one year. He got to watch, be coached by a coach. It should have been Donovan Mitchell. Sit around, practice with the guys, get to know his, his team, get to know the offense, run a little better. Dude couldn't hit a, a shot outside of 12 feet anyway. He, he tore it up in the playoffs. I, I get it. The Donovan dude, Mitchell. I get. I agree with you, Andrew. That's why I'm not angry at it because I could care less about a I NBA true, again, awards. I get where you're coming from from that. But at the end of the day, if they're going to hand it out, and I think this is where you're probably going with this, and I want you to finish that thought on Donovan Mitchell, but if they're going to hand it out, you at least want to see the guy you truly, really feel like deserves it. And is an honest rookie. Man, I don't care that he didn't play a game his first year. He got to practice on an NBA floor. He got to be with NBA coaches. He got that full year. So he was a, a, a call him a rookie point five, but he wasn't a rookie. And Donovan Mitchell was a guy that was passed up by how many teams in the draft? So the Knicks passed twelve, up, so thirteen teams, somewhere like somewhere in that range. And he comes in and essentially leads Utah to the second round of the playoffs and has to be their number one option all year as a true rookie. Not a redshirt freshman, a true a, a true freshman. Comes in, fills in the shoes of Gordon Hayward nicely. They trade away their best player in the offseason. And like you said, your boy Donovan Mitchell shows up, balls out, Andrew carries the team. Did they go seven games? No. They lost to Houston in five in games. Five? All right. So, yeah. That's right. They had that one win yep. in Houston, I think, early. Which, and early, we thought, we thought maybe, just maybe. This is the whole gentleman's sweep All conversation. Right. Love it. What, what is a gentleman's sweep? Which And I, it's funny because we went, I went back and listened to some of those old podcasts. Terrible. And, Terrible. Because I, I like... Production to, value way higher now. I like to read... Which is positive. Shout out our interns. I like to re myself. I like to reassess our show. Hope you pay, hope you paid yourself extra. And and I hope as as I'm saying this on the cast, the, the reassessment has helped. But I like to reassess the show, and I'm listening to some of the old ones. And I got onto one after the first round of the NBA playoffs, and I'm listening to myself. I'm, man, what a dumb comment! LeBron James isn't gonna make it out of the first round of the playoffs, and I'm laughing to myself because the way that first round went, I, I truly thought he wasn't gonna make it out, and I think. And as I'm listening to all that, and I'm thinking about all that's going on with him deciding where he wants to be, you know, people forget he still has an option for one more year there next year. And he has a no-trade clause on that option, and if he opts into that contract, he now puts himself in a sign-and-trade scenario where he has to, he gets to keep his no-trade clause. Is there a likelihood of that? Probably not. But he also is LeBron James and controls a lot of his own destiny, so it's something you could possibly see. Either way, as I'm thinking about all the what happened in the playoffs this year and LeBron James going. I'm looking at it saying, and forget how hard he had to work in the finals or to get to the finals. I can I I think about one thing. This is the only year he had to work that hard in the first round, and I think that's going to play a significant factor in what his decision is because he's not playing 82 games again. He's not. He's probably never going to do that again in his career. I hope you soaked it up and I hope you enjoyed it, world. Because LeBron James is never playing in 82 games again. And he wants to make his breeze the last eight years of his career, the last two months, the most important months, the playoff months, his best months. And that's what he's going to gear up for every single year. And that was kind of what Brian Windhorst alluded to today when he said that you could, you could visibly see LeBron would just put it in kind of a second or third gear, kind of let, you know, just not be as aggressive during the regular season. Some of these random games, Tuesday night games, where he just kind of just just played his regular basketball, didn't really exert extra energy. We're upcoming on Fridays or before the July fourth, seventh, whatever the deadline is. is the decision three for LeBron. It has to come, I think, by Monday of next week. Yeah, I think Friday he's got to know. Friday he lets you know if he picks up that thirty five mil option. It's not a bad thing to have to think about. No, not do at I all. pick up thirty five mil? Or do, it's, like, it's like, hey, there's a buck on the ground, Andrew. Do I bend down and pick up the 35 mil? 
Or do I just say, ah, screw it. I don't really need it. With a no trade clause. No trade clause. We'll just do <laughs> we'll, we'll just do it this way over here in La La Land. Let magic spin some magic and see what happens. But Andrew, real quick, spin the wheel. Where's LeBron James going to land? I, I, I've been wrapping my head around this, and I'm going to stay true to what I've said the whole time. I'm going to say he's going to stay. You want to give me your Mount Rushmore of teams he's going to go to? No, I don't. I'm, I'm going to say he stays in Cleveland. I'm going to give you the one team I believe wow. he's going to. Hot take. I think you stay Hashtag in Cleveland. Hashtag hot take in Cleveland. And then I, I think if he doesn't go to Cleveland, I think everyone says the obvious option is L.A., and I'm sure that's one of, you know, LeBron James' top options, but I think at the end of the day, um, it's those two. Um, I don't. I kind of like the idea of him going and teaming up with Popovich for some reason. I don't know why. Um, I think that'd be really awesome, but is that a possibility? No. Will that happen? Probably not. Um, I don't think he's going to be a Houston Rocket. I don't think he's going to be a Boston Celtic. I don't think he's going to be a Philadelphia 76er because... People have to remember that the 76ers are young and they're not a very good shooting team. Got to have shooters with, with the king. Right. LeBron James is going to be a ball-dominant guy. He's going to be a ball-heavy guy. We just said he averaged nine assists a game and he's not classified as a point guard. I mean, look how big the man is. So you have to be able to shoot around. And, and Philly's not. And does LeBron James want to wait for these kids to get playoff experience and be a team that is a contender in three, four years. I, I would think he wants to go to a win-now scenario. And for me, um, it's going to be Cleveland or it's L.A., but I'm sticking with my guns, and I'm sticking with Cleveland. All right, I'll go L.A. just to be a, because that, just to be a jackass. Because, you. because you, you you are that guy. Well, another scenario where we can go at each other is the game of what do you got. And recently you've been kicking my butt. Um, but if... Somebody fell into the screen having a few cocktails this weekend. Been there, or been there. Or the window got jammed when you were trying to pop it open and you were playing manhunt and you were looking for a hiding spot. If all of those things are hap- have happened to you or you broke it down a little good late night and all of a sudden the shower door broke. Huh. If that happened, uh-huh. don't worry. You got Hawthorne last to call. Our man Angelo will hook you up. 10% discount when you call 973-427-4344 and talk to Angelo from Hawthorne Glass. Remember, it's shower doors, tabletops, storefronts, windows, and thermal panes. Listen, you don't have to give him the story of why or how you broke the door, the window, the screen, the thermal pane. Just tell him what you need fixed, and our man Angelo will get it done. Just remember that's Hawthorne Glass, and you remember that's 973 427 4344 Four. I will give you a what do you got update, Anthony. What do you got? And I know that this has been a common joke between the two of us in the last few months about how we are terrible at keeping the what do you got scoreboard. So I made sure that once the what do you got happened, I at least wrote something down for us. So coming into the day, 17 and 21 for Mr. Romanella and 20 and 18 for Mr. Rinaldi. Now, Jacob deGrom, my pick. Versus the Dodgers, went six, gave up three earned, had six Ks, took the loss. The Mets lost. Your pick, Luis Severino, went five and two-thirds, also gave up three earned runs, struck out five. But the Yankees won. So you're automatically going to jump to 21 and 18. And I'm going to move to 17 and 22 because your team pick won. Now, where are we going with that other point? Because Jacob deGrom's line and... Luis Severino's line are nearly identical. I mean, listen, I'm all for giving us both a point, chalking it up, saying let's move on to the next week. Hey, how you doing? All right, so I'm 18 and 22, 22 and 18 is where we sit on the what do you got scoreboard. Mr. Rinaldi, it's simple. It's every week. It's what do you got. What do you got? I'm going to keep it to the football on the pitch. Andrew, it's going to be Saturday, June 30th, Andrew. Knockout stage play. All right. Let's get into it. We're going to follow up this great victory this morning by your boy Messi. We're going to go France versus Argentina. A powerhouse. Wow. All right. 10 a.m. So set your clocks, people. Get up. Make sure you're up. 10 a.m. Eastern. Channel 5, I think. It's Fox. And give me your player, babe. Come on. Give me number 10. Give me Messi. Ooh. Messi is going to score at least... 
a hat trick. No, he's gonna score at least one, possibly two. He's gonna carry Argentina back like he was last year. I think to, they went to the championship game last year, four years ago, didn't they? They did, and they lost to to uh, Germany. But he did win the award, the Golden he won Boot. The Golden Boot, yeah. So listen, he just scored his goal. He got the he got the little uh, the the, the heebie-jeebies off him. You know, he's he's obviously in Ronaldo's shadow right now. But uh, I think I like Argentina's chance. They're a little feisty right now. They know how close they were to being defeated and out of the tournament. And they're going to take this little run here. And they're going to go take those frog-loving mother efforts, And they're going to beat them down. Let's go, Argentina. All right. Andrew. Love it. What do you got? What do you got? I am also staying on the pitch because we've had a very soccer-centric show today. And I'm fired up about it. Because in no way, shape, or form is soccer... Or football, however you want to say that, is my strong suit. So it makes me, and it gets me excited that we're talking about it. So because we have some loyal listeners of the AA Balls podcast that are Colombian and are huge supporters of the Colombian team, I am going to take Colombia versus Senegal Thursday morning at 10 a.m., And I'm going to take the man, James Rodriguez, who has been a stud for this Colombian team. They had a huge win the other day that has kept them in the tournament. And going into this game against Senegal, this Senegal, excuse me, this third game in pool play, they need the win to advance. They have some very good offensive players on that Colombian team. So I'm going to take James Rodriguez, and I'm going to take the Colombia versus Senegal, Thursday morning, 10 a.m. showdown, Anthony Rinaldi against your France versus Argentina stage 16 knockout. Listen, everyone is in on the World Cup shenanigans. Can't wait for 2026 now, Andrew, because at least we get an automatic bid for hosting. So at least we'll be in the ch- at least we'll be in the group stage matchup, Andrew. At we, least the USA has that going for us. We have it going for us, and hopefully as we, of course, Continue to discuss. I'll be 41. Holy crap. It helps. That's crazy. It helps the popularity of soccer and hopefully moves our U.S. men's national team forward. Listen, as always, Mr. Rinaldi, it is a pleasure on the Double A Balls podcast. Tell your friends. Tell your friends. Download. Subscribe. Click on iTunes. Apple Podcasts. Podbean. Andrew, you, you, you always name the freaking millions of places you can find us if you can't find us it's your own damn fault take me away i gotta go to work or do something i don't know double a balls on twitter and instagram dwabpodcast.com and of course powerarmperformance.com for your apparel check back in on friday morning a special friday morning dab coming your way andrew Romanella, anthony rinaldi the double a balls podcast and we are out. Day and night. I toss and turn. I keep stressing. This has been the Double A Balls Podcast, powered by Power Arm Performance, your leader in baseball and softball training apparel. Visit PowerArmPerformance.com to get your gear and begin training the Power Arm way today. I try to run, but see, I'm not that fast. I think I'm first, but surely finish last, last. Cause day and night, the lonely stoner seems to free his mind at night. He's all alone through.